Hello, and welcome to the MSF Farm Talk podcast. For this episode, we take a trip to the MSF Millewa region in Victoria, where consultant Chris McDonough catches up with farmer Chris Hunt as part of the GRDC-funded project Practical Tactics to Improve Ground Cover and Ensure Soil Preservation Following Successive Low Rainfall Seasons. If you're listening to this podcast at the end of the 2022 harvest season, you may think, why are we talking about drought when so many have experienced flood this year? But this podcast is focused on the reflections of one of our farmer members and how they managed successive years of drought in 2018 and 2019. For farmer Chris Hunt, it was really important to manage ground cover and maintain productive country. So when the next good rainfall year hit, he was ready to go. We hope you enjoy the episode. Here we are in the Miller. We're just talking about wind erosion through drought periods and continuous cropping, how you manage those systems. And I'm here with farmer Chris Hunt. Do you want to just quickly tell us a bit about your farming system, where you are, your rainfall and stuff like that? Yeah, so we're in the Millowa area of northwest Victoria. We're on the lower end of the rainfall spectrum. We're in that 270 mil annual rainfall, I think. Yep. Yeah, so we're farming, we're a mixed farming operation consisting of grain, hay, and livestock. The livestock being breeder sheep run for a crossbred lamb. And you've come through a period after a pretty good 2016 and then 17 was here or there, but then 18 and 19, really low range, were pretty horrible and most of the district bared out. How did you fare through that time? Yeah, look, 18 was hard, 19 was a shocker. Yeah, 18 you could hold your own a year like that, but 19 is a train wreck year. We definitely had more country than we would have liked blow and some of it was grazing related, some of it was just purely lack of establishment of crops. Yeah, and just having enough cover over your vulnerable ground. Oh, a vulnerable ground, but even stuff like real heavy soil types that sweep. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we found is there some of this marley stuff can really get quite bulldusty and go... go I guess flowers and just once it starts sweeping, it just keeps going. Yeah, so I guess what did you learn from that time that is there things that you're now going to put in place or you're starting to put in place to mean that if you are faced with a similar situation that you will have protected your whole farming system a lot better in the future. Yeah, so probably with the livestock side of the operation, stock containment's definitely got a big place and having them say they're convenient so you can use them when required and as required. So you've got one on each of your farms? We have right? them on each of our farms, yeah. Yeah, and so basically you can make a quick decision. You've got how much feed do you keep on hand, enough to cover your whole flock for a, a year or so, or what? How does uh, it work? Generally, we aim to come into each year with enough feed on hand that we could have our lambs weaned and start selling down. Yep, okay. So we don't have to fire sale everything, but so we can have a controlled sell down if we need to. Yeah. After yeah. after the lambs have beyond the point of being weanable. Yeah. So, yeah, that definitely a big, a lot of value in having stuff around like barley straw just to use in containments. can use it. It's good for roughage if you're feeding a lot of grain to sheep just to help with acidosis, etc. It's also good for cold weather if you got ewes with lambs at foot to give them some shelter bit of a windbreak and bedding yeah. and it's also good if you get in the really wet weather and the pens go to mud you can put it in the dried up and you've got a lot of vetch hay on hand as well we generally have vetch hay on hand we try and cut vetch hay every year yeah and vetch is a fair part of the legume in our program whether it's vetch for grazing hay or grain or brown manure yeah all of the above in one yeah yeah and uh, so i guess that preparedness 
so that so you can act. There's, there's nothing worse if you're not prepared with your feedlots and stuff like that. Yeah, it's going to be hard to really protect your ground as you start to move into those dry seasons or you've had a dry spring and then a really late break. So in terms of the pulses that you're growing or the vetch that you're growing, how do you make sure that the most vulnerable parts of your paddocks are protected even when you're growing your peas or your chickpeas or your vetch? Yeah, so the real, the really vulnerable sand caps, we generally that country would be going into vetch, sometimes field peas. And we will either spread a bit of cereal rye or sow barley with it just to have some cereal component to establish on them. Just the real caps of the light hills. Yep. You can take it out with a grass selective at any time. You know, if the season goes from being dry at seeding and comes quite wet, you can take it out when you do your first grass spray or your second grass spray. Or you can take it out in spring as a spray top or bomb out if ground cover is still an issue. Yeah. And is there any a, a time where if things if you've got no subsoil moisture going into a season, you haven't got much cover from the spring before? Is there a time where you say, no, I'm not going to plant a pulsar or, or a vetch? The vetch will always go in. Yep. It may go in with barley. Yep. So we've got that cereal component. And how late would you sow that? We dry sow all our vetch. So all our vetch is in in April. Okay, yep. Hopefully we've kicked off in March if we're organised. Yep. So all our vetch goes in dry regardless. The main legume that we have been growing that can be dictated by weather decisions are chickpeas and lentils, and especially chickpeas, like we carried chickpea seed for two years in 1819 and chemical, just we didn't have the opportunity to establish them, and because of their rhizobia, they need to be established relatively wet. Yes. Yeah. So you'd pull out uh, maybe, what, mid-May on that? Yeah, look, if we, so we'd, if we abandoned, like in 18 and 19, when we abandoned the plan to grow chickpeas, we then swung it to both times we swung the areas to field peas. Yes. Because we always sow field peas as our last crops in the tail end of May, like around the 20th. Yes. And we're not phased about rhizobia with field peas yeah. because of the history and backgrounds, etc. Yeah. And you throw a bit of cereal out with it in those vulnerable years. We, and, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Now, is there any machinery considerations? What's happening with your, the way you're spreading your straw or the way you use your, you've got an SP sprayer. How do you work that so that you don't have wheel tracks blowing out and stuff like that? Yeah, so random machinery considerations. We generally, in the summer program, we generally don't use the same wheel tracks time after time. One is to stop the wheel tracks bearing out and two, we also get any weeds that dust covered from the previous pass. With the seeding, we have started seeding quite a lot of stuff at alternate angles year to year. This, we believe, leaves us with more standing stubble coming into fodder phase of vetch barley. It also, we have found that sowing alternative angles levels country that has become pretty rough either by wind erosion or trafficking. You don't get it achieved in the first year, but over a couple of years, it can save you using stuff like tillage to level up a rough paddock if you just bear with it and sow it LTB lines for a couple of years, you soon pull it around. So that's 10 or 15 degrees and might depend on just the angles of where you're starting at what side of the paddock with your fence lines. Yeah, generally if the paddocks, not many of our paddocks are perfectly square, so generally if you work off one side fence line this year and the opposite side the next year and 
ultimatum, you're generally achieving some sort of angle around that 5 to 15 degree bracket. And I imagine also just for uh, the chaff spread, there's actually probably hitting more of the paddock as well if you're just making those adjustments from year to year. Yeah, we, and you don't get into the scenario if you have had poor chaff spreading like we have had with previous headers where you can get everything line up perfectly wrong to have trash flow issues yeah. in terms of where the chaff's the thickest, lining up with where the points in the seeding machine for trash flow are the worst. You're constantly in and out of the good and bad points with both. So just in summary, it just sounds like you've adjusted some things to make sure you can keep your paddocks safe from your livestock management and maybe acting a bit earlier while there's still adequate cover in there. And then you're doing stuff around particularly the pulse part or the legume part of your rotation to make that safer. And so are you confident that if you had this run of years again, that you'd be in a lot better place? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you always learn and every year's different. Probably you come into the years more prepared in terms of not mightn't physically be on the ground, but just having scenarios in place and plans if you got to action them. Excellent. Thanks very much for sharing us a few good ideas there. No worries. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for joining us. If you want to hear more, like and subscribe to the MSF Farm Talk podcast. Catch you later.